This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome back and to another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Now, the tennis world has just been ever-changing for a while. There's been a ton going on. There's been a lot happening. It's changed almost every day, and I debate every day when I should record this podcast because I feel like there's new information about certain things coming out soon, or I just feel like when the best time is to talk about a certain topic. And I'm recording today because obviously this is the time of the week that I do get these podcasts out, but also a lot's really been happening in the world of tennis as of recently, which I mean the last couple of days, and I will get into that at the end of this episode. But I first want to start off with the Davis Cup. Now, the Davis Cup, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, snuck up on me. The Davis Cup definitely snuck up on me. I remember talking about uh, who was on certain teams at one point, and then all of a sudden uh, the ATP Finals took so much time and took a lot of my energy, and then next thing you know, I was like, oh my gosh, the Davis Cup is going on. So um, the, the Davis Cup is always uh, this late in the season. It's always something that I forget about because the Nito ATP Finals is so prominent in my eyes, and so... Um, the Davis Cup is really something that is awesome, and it's for country, but it's it's been overshadowed lately, I think, by the Labor Cup, which is Europe versus Team World, and also the ATP Cup, which is right before the Australian Open, which is what I focus on more um, than the Davis Cup. But let's chat about the Davis Cup a little bit. The Davis Cup, um, my pick to win it, I believe I said this in an early podcast, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, I didn't get a say who was on these teams, which is unfortunate, but my my pick to win it would have been Russia, and they're still in it, obviously. So it's still Russia, but I just wanted to make that clear ahead of time, which I didn't, but I'm just telling you that now. Even if they would have lost, I would have said they were my favorite to win it. Now, Team Italy was good, too. It is uh, Yannick Sinner, Sanago, Fognini, Musetti, Bellelli. Um, and so I'm not really sure Bellelli, how, how well he's done. He's a singles ranking of 891, so not that great. But Italy had a good, good team. But let's talk about the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals, Russia beat Sweden, which was probably pretty expected. Sweden's team was the Yimers, uh, Mikhail Yimer and Elias. I think that's how you say their Eimer or something like that. Uh, Mikhail is probably the most known Eimer of the group. Uh, I'll get to the Russian team here in a little bit. Great Britain, they lost to Germany. Germany does not have who you would think they have, which would be the Sferevs. Nope, they have Kopfer and they have Struff, who are kind of the head of their team. And Great Britain, the notable names on that team, obviously Cam Norrie, had a great year, Liam Brody. Uh, he's ranked number 128 in the world. Daniel Evans, who's really, really good. He's 25 in the world. Uh, Salisbury, Joe Salisbury. He's a doubles ranking number three in the world. And then Skupsi, who's a 20 uh, ranking in the world with doubles. Skupsi and Salisbury are 
uh, one of two of the best doubles men's doubles players in the world than they have been for the last couple of years. So, but they ended up losing to Germany. So Germany's into the semifinals. Italy, who I said earlier, they lost to Croatia. Croatia's team is highlighted pretty much by Marin Cilic, who's you know top thirty in the world. But other than that, really no notable names on that team. And then when you look at the bottom part of this bracket, it's Serbia and Kazakhstan. And Kazakhstan has uh, Bublik who I think is the most notable name on that team. And then obviously you're going to get the Serbia, which is going to be Djokovic, who is really the only name on that team. Let's get to the semifinals. Semifinals, it's Russia played Germany, and that's not happened yet. That'll happen over the weekend in Croatia and Serbia. Serbia. Um, even though we're at the semis already, I'm still picking Russia to win this because the team that Russia has put together, listen to this team. that that These, these are the Russians on this team. Medvedev. Rublev, Karatsev, Hachinov, and then Donskoy, who I don't know who Donskoy is. But Hachinov, 29 in the world. Karatsev, 18 in the world. Rublev, 5 in the world. Medvedev, 2 in the world. You simply can't argue with that team. They've got to win this. Djokovic is really the only name on his team. And then you look at who Serbia is playing. That's Croatia, which only really has Cilic. Who Cilic isn't going to beat. Um, Cilic isn't going to beat. Novak Djokovic. So my pick is still uh, Russia. And I would have picked Russia from the beginning. I remember I mentioned them early, early on, maybe uh, early November or even before that, late October. I was like, the Davis Cup teams are starting to get released, and there's no way I'm not going to pick Russia because of who they have. And I'm sticking to it, and I've sticked to it. So I actually feel pretty good about that, and I can't really complain about that. Let's look at uh, the United States team, which we should probably talk about a little bit. They didn't, they didn't make it terribly far, which is kind of disappointing. But if we want to look at who is on this team, it is highlighted by Taylor Fritz, then Riley Opelka, John Isner, Francis Tiafo, and Tommy Paul. So there's a lot of good players on this team. They just didn't make it into the quarterfinals, which is pretty disappointing considering the other teams that made it that far and the, considering the, uh, the name power that the Americans have. And they just... I don't want to say underperformed, but I think they lost a couple tough matches and they didn't make it very far. Now, the captain of this team is Marty Fish, who has a lot of experience in his own right. But the Davis Cup, not coming back to the United States. Maybe they'll you know, regroup a little bit and look to get that ATP Cup that is just before the Australian Open. So, boys got a little bit of time to get ready. Uh, the offseason pretty much starts now for them and they'll have until probably just after Christmas to... You know, take some time off, and then it's go time. Head off to Australia if you're vaccinated, which we'll get to soon as well. That's something else we're going to be talking about on this podcast this month. But if that's the case, get over to Australia. Hopefully the Americans can have a good run in Australia, not only in the ATP Cup, but also the Australian Open. Moving on, the ATP announced the first part of 2022 and the schedule for the first part of 2022. It looks like for the first time in a pair of years that Indian Wells is going to happen in March, which is a good sign for Indian Wells, a good sign for tennis fans, to be honest. Indian Wells goes right back into Miami, which I believe it was before, and so that's a good thing for American tennis fans. Nice little March swing, spending almost the whole month of March in the United States on a pair of Masters 1000s. Like you'd guess, in January, it is entirely almost... uh, the Australian Open swing, uh, Sydney, Adelaide, Melbourne, uh, Sydney, and then Melbourne again. So 
There's a couple of Adelaides in there, and it is time to get back into Australian Open Swing. So that'll be ni- nice to see. ATP Cup is in there as well. You can find all this on the ATPTour.com, ATP, ATP Tour website. And then it goes a little bit everywhere. Uh, February is always everywhere. It's Rotterdam and Buenos Aires and Dallas and Rio and uh, Delray Beach and Doha and Dubai and Acapulco, which I think is usually a pretty big one, but a lot of ATP 500s and 250s. Santiago's in there. Um, And then Davis Cup qualifiers happens at the early part of February. And then you go to March, which is the swing I just told you about, which is Indian Wells in Miami. Uh, April, Monte Carlo's the Masters 1000, which is good to see is back there. Madrid and Rome, the back-to-back Masters 1000s are in May. June is the, you know, the London Wimbledon Grand Slam. I don't know why I said London Wimbledon Grand Slam. I just saw what city it was in. Uh, yeah, Wimbledon, obviously, the Grand Slam. The grass court swing that's in there, obviously, the in May is the uh, Roland Garros, which I failed to mention before. That all will stay the same, it looks like. And then uh, it pretty much ends because July, they haven't announced yet. They just have the beginning part, which is the extended Wimbledon into July. Now, this brings us into another part of the conversation that I want to get into, which is pretty much going to take up the entire last half, which is the growing concern and growing uh, actions being taken, I should say, uh, by a lot of different governing bodies and entities when it comes to Peng Shui inner safety. Now, Peng Shui, little background on this, which you probably heard in my last podcast, but she accused a prominent uh, Chinese official of sexual assault, uh, but probably about a month ago now or a little bit more than that. And since then, she hasn't really been seen or heard from uh, when it comes to, as some people in the United States would say, credible sources. Uh, The IOC talked to her. And the International Olympic Committee talked to her after growing concern came, is she safe? And what happened was a Chinese state media came out and said, hi, this is Peng Shui. I am safe. And these allegations are wrong and false and blah, 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 which only grew the concern of her safety even more. Um, Some people are saying that, you know, she's being silenced, which they're obviously concerned about, which a lot of the tennis world is. Now, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of of the opinion part of it and everything like that on my side, because you can see enough of that on Twitter. I just want to kind of reiterate what's kind of happening in the tennis world and some of the actions that are being taken by some of the people in the tennis world. Now, you talk about some of the biggest names in tennis, Osaka, Serena, all these people have commented on this saying, hey, this is wrong. This is not right. We should take Peng Shui's you know, side on this entire thing. And we need to know that she's safe and that she's always going to be safe. They're worried she might be silenced or something might be happening of those sorts. And they're saying we need to make sure that she is safe. And they've done a lot to make sure of that. Now, they made their voices heard on social media a lot. And now it is time to take action. So what action did they take? Well, the WTA has said multiple times that they, they don't they don't necessarily believe the Chinese state media. They're not buying some of these, you know, some of these instances where people are saying she's safe. They want to hear directly and they want, you know, overwhelming proof that she is safe and okay. So what the WTA did was they announced that uh, they're suspending its tournaments in China due to the ongoing uh, Peng Shui situation. Now, 
Steve Simon, who is in charge of the WTA, came out with a pretty much a long quote that said, uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of it, but he said on November 2nd, when Peng Shui posted an allegation of sexual assault against a top Chinese government official, the Women's Tennis Association recognized that Peng Shui's message had to be listened to and taken seriously. Now, the players of the WTA, not to mention women around the world, deserve nothing less. Now, he continues on to say, as a result, and with full support of the WTA Board of Directors, I am announcing the immediate suspension of all WTA tournaments in China, including Hong Kong. In good conscience, I don't see how I can ask our athletes to compete there when Peng Shui is not allowed to communicate freely and has seemingly been pressured to contradict her allegation of sexual assault. Given the current state of affairs, I am also greatly concerned about the risks that all of our players and staff could face if we were to hold events in China in 2022. A big announcement, a big stance from the WTA. This is making rounds in nightly news everywhere. This is this is making rounds um, just in the news cycle, not just sports news cycle, in the news cycle. And as it should, this is a giant deal. This is the WTA who, you know, has millions of dollars on the line in China. Women's tennis is popular around the world. Women's tennis is popular in China and Asia as a whole. And for the WTA to come out and say, you know what, China, we don't trust you and we're not going to come there and we're not going to do that. It's a ginormous stance from the WTA. Now that they did that, the WTA, the ATP has come out and pretty much said, we're monitoring the situation. We're not going to really do anything about it at this time, which would mean cancel or suspend their tournaments in China. Well, they only released the first half of their schedule in 2022. So there's no word yet really on if the ATP is going to eventually do something like that. I think they're still kind of waiting it out. But a lot of players are disappointed in ATP. Tennis Sangren said, we need to follow suit. Noah Rubin continued by calling the ATP statement on the matter weak because they didn't make action on it. Now, Daniil Medvedev, number two player in the world, was asked at the Davis Cup about this stance by the ATP and about, you know, how he would feel competing in China after all of this has happened. And he said, quote, which this is a long quote, and this comes from Reem Abulil, who is on Twitter. She's a journalist for uh, Egyptian journalist, matter of fact. She asked him this question, and he said, quote, what WTA did is a reaction. So ATP did a different reaction. I don't want to say which one is good or bad. He continued by saying, quote, but definitely what WTA did is strong. Yeah, there were there were a lot of money involved there. It's really strong from Simon to make this decision, end quote. Now, he also said when asked about if he would play or the players would play in China, if there was, you know, um, if he'd feel comfortable playing in China, if there's a tournament recently, he said, quote, if the tournament would be would be next week, probably nobody would feel comfortable saying he feels strong enough to say that, talking to the players he's talked to, that they wouldn't feel comfortable playing a tournament in China with all of this going on. This is really big, and this is a really big deal. Not only because Peng Shui needs to be safe and needs to be in you know good spirits and make sure everything she's said and you know um, when it comes to the allegations of sexual assault, not only does that need to be taken seriously, as it should be, but the WTA is backing her with millions of dollars on the line coming from China. That is a big deal. In sport, that is a big deal because a lot of times I'm not saying I'm not putting certain circumstances out there, but money talks. 
in this in this instance, people talk. And Steve Simon with the WTA pretty much made that clear. Hey, we're not I don't care about the money. I don't care about the millions of dollars we're going to lose from China and having our tournaments in China. We're out of there. We're not going to have a tournament there right now and we're going to su- suspend our tournaments because of how this is being handled and and because we they don't feel like she can freely and safely speak her mind and put these allegations in the world. The WTA, like they do in tennis in general, like it does a lot of times, is setting an example. And this is the example right now. It is that they're putting people over money, over sponsorships, all that stuff. They are putting one of their players, who's not a top 10 player in the world, but one of their players ahead of that. I applaud their work. I really do. Um, I don't think it was an easy decision, but that's what's going on in the tennis world. And this situation is ever changing. I talked about it last week, um, and I kind of thought that would be the last I'd talk about it a little bit. I thought I'd probably revisit it and hopefully, you know, Punk Shui could come out and say a few things and make sure that she's safe. But um, we haven't gotten that far yet. We haven't confirmed that she's safe or, you know, the overwhelming majority of people haven't believed anything that the IOC or the Chinese government or the Chinese state media has said about it. So... We're still stuck in limbo on how, you know, Peng Shui is doing at this moment. But the WTA made a massive stance, and this is a big deal, and it's something that is only going to get bigger, I think. And so we'll continue to cover it right here on Believe in the ATP Tour. I appreciate you listening today. I really do. There's a lot to get to in the tennis world. Next week, we're going to talk ATP awards ahead of the awards ceremony, um, and I'll give you my picks on who I think will get those awards at the end of this year. It's been a great tennis season unfortunate situation going on right now but the tennis world right now I think is very proud of itself um considering a year where it wasn't proud of itself all the time you look at what happened with Naomi Osaka um what's happening with Alexander Sverev stuff like that um people weren't necessarily the most proud of this year in the tennis community but I think what's happening with Peng Shui right now people in the tennis world are proud of the way that the tennis world is handling this The people in the tennis world are handling this. They're proud of their people on the decisions they're making at the WTA. I will say that. I I believe that is how it's being portrayed because I have seen social media posts and other quotes and things like that that would support that feeling that I just put out in the universe. I appreciate you listening. I really do. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. There's a lot of good tennis around the corner in January. We've got a couple fun episodes happening right here. Unbelieve in the ATP Tour even coming up later this month in December. Take care. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.